Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry and uses the imaginary Airzatz coffee shop as its platform to bring you a conversation about a plethora of scintillating topics. We don't shy away from any issue that is plaguing our culture or the church today, whether it's current cultural issues, questions about Bible verses, or even just some banter to encourage you. Dr. Jay Christensen is the Truth Barista, and he and amazing Larry Kutzler brew up highly caffeinated conversations for our day. Grab a cup of joe, pop yourself down in the booth next to us, and get ready to think. The Truth Barista is a production of High Beam Ministry, and it's listener-supported. For more information about The Truth Barista, go to highbeamministry.com. Thanks for listening. Larry, what what is that imaginary barking dog sound outside of our imaginary coffee shop? What's well, going on? it's just dogs warning us about something, or they're irritated with something. I don't know, but dogs are usually warning us by their bark. Somebody has come up, something is happening, and they're giving us a signal that says, "Pay attention." So that's ah. what that is. So we're we're asking our audience today to pay attention. We have barking dogs. Hey, got a question for you. Yeah. What do you call a watchdog that doesn't bark? <laughs> oh, I've heard this one. You would ask it. I don't know what. Worthless. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. We are going to talk about barking dogs, though, but in a different context coming out of Isaiah chapter uh, 56, verse 10. Why are we going to talk about this, Dr. J? Because I read a recent blog article that you did, which was fantastic. It's called The Silent Dogs, and it's keying off of Isaiah 56.10. It says this, and this is the New Living Translation, NLT, for the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds, now they see there are two groups right there, his watchmen and his shepherds, are blind and ignorant. They are like silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie around, sleeping and dreaming. And the upshot of your article that really got my attention is that in the context of that scripture, the leaders of Israel were not warning the people of their sin, and they were not warning the people of the judgment that the Lord was bringing to them because of their sin, and how you equated it with the situation today, that there are leaders in our culture, in our society, in our cities, they're not warning against sin, and they're not warning about God's judgment. So that leaves it to the church. But even the church watchmen aren't warning people about their sin and warning about God's judgment that will come because of sin, because God is not mocked. He will eventually act. One of the themes that came out of World War II was, I believe it was Bonhoeffer who said, silence in the face of evil is evil itself. And when a dog doesn't bark and is silent, it is allowing evil or a problem, a prowler, a burglar, whatever it may be, access to the property in which the barking dog should be barking and warning of. Correct? Correct. So I was just saying that, you know, in this article about silence, it is the objective of evil to quiet people. 
don't talk about that. And Dr. J, that's totalitarianism. For example, our founding father said freedom of speech is really important. Even if you disagree with it, you have the right to say it. And I understand that now more than ever, because if you don't have the other side barking back, talking back, giving another opinion or an opposing view, you end up with a one idea or bias in society. This is a very important issue for us today. Right. You know, and as you were saying that, I was getting a picture in my head of how do you get a barking dog to stop barking? You throw it a juicy steak to distract it <laughs> yeah, or you muzzle it. And we see both of those things in our society today, especially politically, that people who speak out and bark out against societal ills or the things that politicians or others are doing, whether it's the LGBTQ movement or the whole woke movement, et cetera, et cetera, the powers that be that don't like what you're barking about will try to throw you stake to shut you up or they'll go to big tech and muzzle you because they don't want to hear the dogs bark. Now, as long as we have vehicles through which we can amplify our barking, we should use them. But the biggest problem is, are you barking at all? And that's the point of this particular verse here. Forget about being coerced into not barking or being muzzled. Are you barking at all? Now, who should be barking? Well, we see it right there in the verse. The Lord's watchmen, those would be the prophets, and his shepherds. In context, that would be Israel's leadership. That would be the kings. That would be the administrators. Today, that would translate into the authorities who lead us, whether political, scientific, educational, whatever it is. The other side is the church, God's mouthpiece. We are to be his prophetic voice to the culture. So whether you're a pastor or a church elder or deacon, or you're just a Christian, well, I can't do anything because I'm just a Christian. You have a mouth, don't you? Yeah. You know the scriptures, don't you? Well, you should be barking too. Now, we don't have to bark in an ugly way, but we do need to be loud. We do need to be direct and pointed regarding the things that we're seeing in our culture that are wrong and are inviting God to act against us. And I have to say that you have to be in the moment because a barking dog that barks after the burglar has burglarized you is not much of a good dog. He's barking, but it's too late. And so often we are, we're late. We come to the table late and that's unfortunate. I have to read something, Dr. J. It comes out of the White Bear newspaper. It's a, a couple that is writing about where are the pastors? That's, that's the title. I'm just going to read a, a portion of it. When are the pastors going to step up to the plate and speak out to their congregations against abortion, critical race theory, and the sexualization of our children. It is the duty of the church to speak out against all evil, and yet the church is silent. History repeats itself. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a pastor and author, stood against Hitler, had all the pastors and churches band together instead of being fearful for losing their tax-exempt status, Hitler would not have been able to do all that he did. I love that. I mean, that's a barking dog. It's in the newspaper. It's asking for action from the leaders of the churches to say, hey, here's what we think about these issues going on in our society. It's perfectly legitimate to ask for the spiritual leaders to stand up, right? Because God has something to say about this. This is the upshot of this entire verse. In fact, let me give you the context of this verse, which explains why the dog should be barking. Mm -hmm. It actually goes back to the previous verse, verse 9. 
Come, wild animals of the field. Come, wild animals of the forest. Come and devour my people. Now, in Isaiah's day, what he's warning about as God's prophet is that the people have sinned so greatly in idolatry, which has led them into a multitude of sins, such as killing children and committing sexual immorality and pursuing other gods and forsaking God that he is going to judge them. In fact, the people of Judah in Isaiah's day have already seen the empire of Assyria come in in 722 BC and wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel, 10 tribes that split away from the southern kingdom of Judah. They were gone. And in Isaiah's day, what is he seeing? He's seeing the Babylonian threat on the horizon. The Babylonians were going to rise up. They were going to conquer the Assyrians. And as part of their move across the Middle East, Israel was next in their sights. And so Isaiah is saying, hey, it's coming, dude. In fact, he warned Hezekiah, you foolish king. You showed these emissaries from this growing empire of Babylon all the treasures in your household. You have no idea. God's going to use that to draw them in to punish the people for their sin. Okay, how does that relate today? We have leaders on a secular level, whether it's scientists, medicine, education, whatever, who have totally bought into the leftist ideas of the LGBTQ movement, the trans movement, CRT, wokeism, all this leftist garbage, and they are not barking at how detrimental to society these things are. You remember, Dr. J, a number of years ago, how vocal the feminists were. You know, anything that would sort of detract from what a female was or equal rights, they were barking all the time. Why aren't the feminists now barking when universities are allowing males to compete with female athletes and usually winning the contest? Where are the feminists? Why because aren't the left, they barking? Because the left gets caught in its own rules. Eventually, this ridiculousness that the left pushes in this nation comes back to bite itself. It's like the quote from Alinsky's Rule for Radicals. One of the rules is make the opposition play by their own rules. Now, that means Alinsky's opponents, oh, you can play by your own rules and break your own rules. Who cares? As long as you make the other side play by their rules. All right. So this is what's happening. The left is saying, oh, the right or the church or whatever has to play by its rules all the time and we'll push it. But us, eh, we can break the rules as we want. Okay. This is a classic example of there being as they say, hoisted upon their own petard, which means hoisted on your own spear. The feminists have said, we want to take our place alongside men. And the left is saying, yes, that's great. Let's push this as a way for gaining control and political power. Yes, let's do this. Well, now all of a sudden you have men in the left replacing women and the feminists are silent. What are you going to do about that? If the feminists speak out, then they get attacked by the left. They're, they're By forcing them to play by their own rules, they're being skewered. Mm. And so they're forced to keep their mouths shut under the current condition. That's the same thing that's approaching the church right now, but we don't have to worry about that because we have God's word backing us up and we can simply say, this is what God's word mm -hmm. says. If you don't like it, you go talk to God about it. Yeah, that's right. By the way, I heard a quote the other day. You know, you and I have been talking from time to time about toxic Christianity. And it's, you know, we, it, there's a lot of forms of toxicity within the body of Christ today. But here's the quote that I thought was interesting. Toxic Christianity is as much about what is being left out as what is being said. So 
you know, we can talk about all the good things in the body of Christ and all the principles and values, etc. Wonderful. But what are we leaving out? Are we leaving out the encroachment of evil, the voices that we should be speaking out against the things that are wrong? We're leaving that out. So that could be, I like that, toxic Christianity. We're not telling the whole story. What do you think? Right. Well, and I agree with that because even Martin Luther during the Reformation said you need both law and grace in order to lead people to salvation and to establish them fully in the Lord. You need the law to point out what's wrong, and you need grace to draw people out of what's wrong into what's right, because God freely welcomes those who repent. He doesn't welcome those who are unrepentant. You can't drag your garbage pail into the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) You have to leave the garbage outside the gate. I love it. Okay, so what we're seeing today is a lot of pastors, in fact, I wish I knew every single sermon that was being preached because I'd have a better perspective. But from Mm. what I've seen so far, especially online, there's a lot of love and grace being preached and very little conviction based on the law. And sadly, I mean, you've been to more churches than I have because you're constantly staying in check with society and church culture. And you've often mentioned to me, where's the conviction? Where's the, the preaching against sin? Now, thankfully, I'm in a wonderful congregation where the pastors do preach both, and it's a well-balanced preaching. It's Family Church of Marco Island in Florida. I don't live in Marco Island. I live in Naples right next to it. But anyway, we go to church down there, and they have a wonderful balance between the two. But sadly, in our church culture today, we have pastors, suppose watchmen, who are so afraid at losing noses and nickels that they refuse to preach harsh messages out of fear that people are going to pack up and leave. Mm -hmm. You know something? If the pastor is preaching what God wants him to preach, then the Lord will grow that congregation and you will attract people who are serious about the Lord. You will attract people who are committed to the Lord and you will have a much stronger body. If you preach just cotton candy, you're going to have fat, lazy, bloated, inactive congregation members that are going to fold when the pressure comes. So we really need the barking dogs out there to highlight what's going on, give the Lord's word about it, and then let it sit with the recipients. What are you going to do about it? Well, and I love that idea of the pressure when it's on. Either we're going to meet and engage the pressure or we're going to cave and run away. Here's an example of everyday life. This broadcast is obviously originating in the state of Minnesota. So most recently, the Minnesota House of Representatives will meet to vote on HF 146. It's a bill that allows the state to seize custody of children whose parents deny gender-affirming care. Now, I don't think that passed, but just the idea that it got on the agenda is worrisome to me. So this bill would say to parents that we cannot stop any child from wanting to have surgery to remove a gender and to transform into something else. It's just plain wrong. Yeah, well, transgenderism, as we've said before, is just surgical cross-dressing. Okay, it doesn't do anything to change the inner person. In fact, I just read an article yesterday where people who have been researching this says, sorry, transgenderism does nothing to address the mental issues that are going along with this. Okay, in the state of Minnesota, which I'm from originally for many, many decades, but now I'm a transplant to Florida, uh, I keep track on what's going on in my formerly home state, and they're one party legislature, which is basically totally left controlled, has passed a a major bill that 
writes into law the protection of all abortion rights, including post-birth allowing an infant to die, legalizing recreational marijuana, criminalizing counseling that tries to change the direction of the child who thinks they're gay, and lastly, stabilizing the rights of the transgender community. And here's my objection. You have children out there that can't decide what they want for lunch or whether they want to be a fireman or a ballerina, and yet the powers that be say they can decide what gender they want to be. These are idiots out there. They're truly ignorant and blind. And that's exactly what Isaiah says in the scriptures here. Listen to this. This is in different translations. The CSB says Israel's watchmen are blind. That's the eyes. All of them know nothing. That's the mind. All of them are mute dogs. They cannot bark mouths. They dream, lie down, and love to sleep, which means they're inactive. The New Century Version says the leaders who are to guard the people are blind. They don't know what they're doing. All of them are like quiet dogs that don't know how to bark. They lie down and dream and love to sleep. They give no warning when danger comes. They're worthless. They cannot bark, enable to bark, and they don't know how to bark. They're ignorant. If that doesn't describe many of the leaders today in our society, and frankly, some of the pastors out there who refuse to bark against these things that are detrimental to society, I don't know what does. I mean, God just nails it right there in one verse. So, Dr. J, did the prophets ever worry about offending anyone? Because today (laughs) we have preachers or so-called prophets that are afraid that they're going to offend offend somebody. Instead of saying what God would say, like we're reading from Isaiah today, we sort of couch it in nice language, language that's less offensive or aggressive or passionate. I mean, being offended, I mean, you can say the wrong thing thinking you're saying the right thing, and it's all wrong. So we're scared to death to say what's really on our minds or what the scripture teaches. Well, and I think a lot of that comes down to, frankly, the fear of people. Mm-hmm. That that many leaders, secular or or sacred, refuse to confront issues because they're afraid of offending people. They're afraid of people. It's the fear of man. There is a greater fear of man in the church, I believe, than a fear of God in the church. So I'm going to step out on a limb. Okay, I, hope it doesn't break, but go ahead. Well, I think that a preacher, let's just say a preacher who is not preaching the word, is compromising with it, is like a silent dog. He's worthless or she is worthless. We are not here to pacify people's agendas or needs. We're here to speak what God is telling us to speak. And there are a lot of preachers. I've sat in many services and I go, what in the world are you talking about? Tell it like it is. Tell it like it says in the Word. That would be a good place to start. Now, you and I have a peculiar perspective on this because we have both preached for many years. You and I both have pastoral ministry in our backgrounds. Mine for 26, 20, almost 30 years. Yours was how long? Well, about the same. Yeah, I I was a pastor for about almost 30 years and a media guy for uh, a lot more. And so when I was a pastor, I spoke out on racism in the, you know, boldly against Black Lives Matter because, okay, I'm all against racism. Okay. God is, what color is God's skin was one of the sermons that I spoke on. And in that sermon, I attacked Black Lives Matter because it is not just 
a group that works against racism, but it brings all this other anti-God stuff in with it. But you're right. People are afraid to offend, and the people in the pulpit think they have a right to not be offended. That's a big thing in our culture now. How dare you offend me? Well, you know something? Freedom of speech says I have the right to offend you, and you do not have the right to not be offended. Oh, That's the pa- issue. Pastor, Pastor, Dr. J, that's so cruel of you to say that. You're oh, su- yeah. You're supposed to be nice and sweet oh, and oh, kind. Yeah. Of course. And and Jesus never called the Pharisees of his days vipers and a brood of snakes. Yeah, Jesus was really gentle when he turned over those tables. You know, I'm sorry, offending the hearers using God's word, not by being obnoxious, but by using God's word. Offending the hearers is our right and our privilege when it's on behalf of God. It's an option that is on the table, but precious few pastors take that option out of fear. So what can we do? What's a solution to the silent dogs? You know, maybe as a a leader right now, maybe we're offending them, maybe we're not, maybe they're not listening, but what can congregations do to help bring more activity out of the pulpit that's more truthful, more directive, to help us understand where to go and apply God's Word in these very perilous times. From a pastor's perspective, okay, if I were to take this on to myself, which I need to apply to myself first, and we do it on this program here. Number one, we need to educate ourselves first in God's Word. What is right? What is wrong? What is God's heart on these various matters regarding immorality, regarding idolatry, regarding the shedding of innocent blood, and every other thing out there that is sin and isn't sin. Okay, so we need to be educated as pastors. Number two, that means getting into the context of the Bible, understanding it as deeply and as well as possible. In fact, Paul says to Timothy that he should study to prove himself as a person who is able to handle the scriptures well. So pastors have to constantly be educating themselves in the word. Number two, those who want to speak out against the issues better be very familiar with the issues they're speaking against. What is the issue about? What is CRT about? What is wokeism? What are the issues surrounding abortion and the LGBTQ issues? What are the arguments? What does God say against these things? And you better be prepared to take a few punches when you enter the arena. You will be canceled in today's society. You will be flamed on social media. You know, if if you want to address these issues, you better be prepared to get bloodied because it will come. We are in the world, but not of it. And the world loves to punch back against barking dogs. And how are they going to do it? They're going to try to entice you to shut up or they're going to try to coerce you into shutting up, even if that means muzzling. Like I said, you know, there are government programs that are willing to help churches and parachurch ministries. But you know something? If you talk about LGBTQ rights or CRT or anything else that they disagree with, you're going to lose your funding. See, there's the stake. Well, there is a stake. Grace Church of Eden Prairie, a very large church in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, just was in the news. And the story went something like this. The graduating class from Eden Prairie High School was going to use their auditorium because they seat about 5,000 people or more. And because the the gay community said, "Uh uh-uh, that church preaches against homosexuality, da-da-da-da-da-da, all of a sudden the school board is saying, no, we got to move it. We, we can't be in that auditorium. And I thought to myself, wow. I mean, like the auditorium's going to convict you. You know, <laughs> it's a place to meet. It's not a place to make statements. I, I just don't understand that. But that's exactly what you're referring to. 
Right. Number one, I congratulate Grace Church of Eden Prairie for taking that stand. Number two, pastors, you better be prepared to lose. Lose congregation members, lose funding, lose esteem in the community, esteem in the press, etc. If you're in the ministry for your personal reasons, by the way, Isaiah does talk about this, why these leaders are are in it. It's for feeding themselves and, you know, it's more of of a job than it is a calling. I mean, if you're in the ministry, you better be prepared to lose your life in order to save it. Now, the flip side is God honors those who stand up for him. So if you're standing up in your pulpit and you're preaching God's word directly, God will bring you people who are like you, who will stand up for God's word, who will live God's word. I can tell you from the congregation I'm in that we have a strong men's ministry. We have a strong men's Bible study. So when the guys come to the to the Bible studies on Sundays or on Thursday mornings, they know the word. They stand for the word and they give testimonies how they're out in the community and topics come up and they say, well, you know, the Bible says this about this particular topic. And they're not barking loudly, but they are barking and they're certainly not whimpering or cowering in the corner with their tail between their legs, wetting themselves. You know? Well, I want to say one other thing with what you just said, and that is you might have a stent that you will be in a lion's den for a period of time, but God will see you through it. But you know, we're not going to get out of this situation in our culture today unscathed if we are preaching the truth. I'll give you the last word. Even if you find yourself in the lion's den and an angel does not shut the mouths of the lions, at least you will stand before the Lord guilt-free with an open conscience and a commendation. Well done, good and faithful servant. Be prepared to be eaten, but don't let that stop you from barking loudly on the societal issues that are inviting God's judgment today. It is only when we preach the word boldly and with conviction that the truth will set people free. Pastors, church leaders, or scientists or anything will speak out against any of these issues. If they all go along with the crowd, if they all fold like a cheap suit, right? You need to stand up in the armor of God and speak boldly to these issues, but do it with intelligence and the anointing of God, and you will have an impact that will last for eternity. This is The Truth Barista, where we preserve the endangered concept of truth. Thanks for joining us. The Truth Barista is listener-supported and depends on the faithful gifts of people like you. The Truth Barista values the truth, so our conversations will always evaluate how truth impacts what we see or hear in our culture. To learn more about The Truth Barista, go to highbeamministry.com. There are many ways Christians approach the study of God's Word. Some will divide the scriptures into the Old and New Testaments and have the mindset that one replaced the other. Here on The Truth Barista, we teach that the Bible is one book, and it clearly teaches God's message of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. Hello, I'm Dr. Jay Christensen, and my goal is to teach the truth without compromise. The Truth Barista program was created to look closely at the Word of God and reveal things that are often missing from casual study. We unpack how the Old Testament is revealed in the New and how the New Testament is based upon the Old, making the message of God consistent and never changing. More information about this ministry can be found at highbeamministry.com. On the website, you will find the Bible study material called Cruising Through the Bible, a daily blog called the Frothy Thoughts blog, and much more. 
please join us online and every week for a new episode of The Truth Barista. This ministry is listener-supported. Give online at highbeamministry.com. That's highbeamministry.com. Thanks for listening. Sadly today, many want answers, but few want the truth. Why? Because answers don't demand action. Answers don't expect us to change how we live. Truth does. And the surest truth we have is God's truth found in the Bible. God's truth sets the course by which we are to set the direction of our lives in a world filled with answers that point in all directions. But there's only one sure direction, God's truth. The Truth Barista will bring you conversation every week that presents a relevant truth as stimulating as a good cappuccino. The Truth Barista is hosted by Dr. Jay Christensen, founder of High Beam Ministry. The Truth Barista is listener-supported. For more information about this program, check out highbeamministry.com.